and welcome to episode number 197 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brad Allen, Stephen Andrus. You can follow them on the Twitter machine at Stephen Andrus1, at Brad Allen NFL. We are going to run through every single week, uh, every single game here, week 17 of the NFL. I cannot believe it is already week 17. I cannot believe we only have one more week of the regular season. I cannot believe how much is still to get figured out here over the next couple of weeks in the NFL. Steven, one of the things that we do at least want to talk about here at the top is the NFL did come through with some new COVID protocols. Now, we don't know exactly how this is all going to play out. We don't know exactly how this is all going to work, but all we can do is kind of at least give you a brief overview that things have changed and it likely will mean people can come back sooner but we'll see it all in practice as we, you know, move move into the last couple of weeks of the season. Sure. Yeah. The, the NFL basically has adopted the new CDC guidelines of instead of a 10 day quarantine, it's five day quarantine. If you test positive, regardless of whether you're um, vaccinated or unvaccinated. So that's why you've started to see you know, use the Indianapolis Colts, for example, they had a big breakout of positive tests. But we've started to see some guys come back off of that covid list sooner than uh, we typically would. So. Um, there is at least the opportunity to come back in the same week if you test positive earlier in the week. And they also fall into these other categories and, and, and like asymptomatic, like getting cleared by the team doctor. So uh, it's, it, doesn't say, it doesn't mean that it's guaranteed. You're seeing that with Carson Wentz going right up until the deadline here uh, to see if he's going to be able to get back. But there's at least the opportunity where they're not immediately ruled out for that week's game if they're unvaccinated. And Brad, one of the things it seems like that we've seen uh, as this has started to come out is is there's not like a retest either. So when you get past the five days, it almost seems as if from what I gather, it's almost going to be an honor system where you basically yeah. just tell the doctor where you feel whether you feel OK or not. Yeah, that that was kind of my understanding as well. Like, if yeah. if you say you feel good and there's no and you aren't like just coughing in someone's face, that you can be like, mm. yeah, I'm good to go, and off you go. Um, I, I suppose the other thing to consider though is we, we probably can't assume that people come back from this COVID list just full strength. You know, if they do mm. actually have it, like Carson, they're unvaccinated. It's probably still going to hit them. So, do we? I think it's probably dangerous to assume they come back full strength because I think it it was. Um, Tyler Lockett this week saying he lost eight pounds, he, he couldn't eat, he had a fever. So, you know, let's just be careful assuming Carson Wentz is going to come back and be, you know, full Carson Wentz. The um, the the game, obviously, we keep talking about Carson Wentz. So we, when we get to that one, that's the one most affected here this week by this rule because the the line movement in that one and how things have played out are are pretty interesting here. But let's kick things off. Miami Dolphins at the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans are three to three and a half point home favorites over the Miami Dolphins. A total of 39 and a half. Pretty low in this thing. Of course, the Dolphins come off a Monday Night Football win. Everybody watched them win. Everybody saw them go out in what at least cosmetically looked like a domination of the New Orleans Saints. I would beg to differ. Uh, I think it was a little bit more. If you look at the, if you kind of really watch that game and and dig in a little bit more, I think there's stuff that maybe you don't really like here about the Miami Dolphins. But 
That did not stop Steven Andrus from betting the Miami Dolphins here in this game. So, Steven, let's talk about what uh, what you like in the Miami Dolphins. Definitely. The one thing I don't like is the spot. It sucks. They're coming off Monday Night Football, and the, and the Titans had a mini-buy on Thursday night, so I admit that. But overall, I think these two teams are almost like carbon copies of each other, where they have limited offenses with a an alpha number one wide receiver that's doing a lot of the heavy lifting, and two pretty solid defenses. So... In, in terms of DVOA, we're looking at the number 22 and 23 offenses against the number seven Miami defense and the number 12 Tennessee defense. And I, chalk me up as somebody who just isn't automatically crowning the Titans offense as back with A.J. Brown back in the lineup last week. If you, It was really hilarious how much they relied on him in that game against the 49ers. Ryan Tannehill threw for 209 yards. A.J. Brown had 145 of them. Like that, That's like Devontae Adams stuff. Basically, he torched a couple of 49ers cornerbacks who were outside the top 100 graded PFF corners. Their guys are basically off the street. Josh Norman's terrible. This week, though, he's facing one of the strongest secondaries in the league that can be physical with him. Uh, I just think that despite that A.J. Brown performance, they still were a below average offense, less than five yards per play against the Niners. The league average for yards per play is 5.6. And since beating the Chiefs in week seven, the Titans offense has gone below 5.6 yards per play in seven of eight games. They've been five yards per play or fewer in six of those games. So for perspective, only five teams in the league average less than than five yards per play. The Dolphins are, are not a very good offense either, but. I just think three and a half is is probably too many in this game. And now A.J. Brown popped back up on the injury report with a calf injury. He practiced fine, wasn't on the injury report on Wednesday. He did not practice with a calf injury Thursday. Typically, that's bad news when that happens. So that's something we definitely need to monitor here if you are thinking about backing Tennessee. Uh, But overall, low total game, uh, an elite defense, in my opinion, with Miami. Three in the hook was, uh, was pretty good for me. Brad, you and I are on the other side of this one. You and I both are on the Titans at three. Um, here's the thing. Uh, I, I I think it's a maintenance day for A.J. Brown. He's He's been getting tons of maintenance days, and honestly. Could if, be. Uh, we'll see. If he walked out there and he had a hangnail, they were not going to have him practice because they understand they've seen this offense without him out, out on the field. So they're they're going to make sure that he's able to to suit up and play in this game. One of the things we mentioned, we always talk about with Miami, and we talk about these – these corners for them and that th- them being able to cover and all this stuff. And, and that's all true. But if you look, their unadjusted EPA looks really, really good because whenever you, you look deeper into this, their opponents, jets, Panthers, giants, jets, saints, that's all over the past uh, six, seven weeks in the season, right? If you go to the, if you look at their adjusted schedule, adjusted EPA, they're actually, pretty bad whenever you look at this it's it's the 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 dolphins are actually the have the second highest schedule adjusted epa per drop back on this season and so i don't i i I don't think that the pass defense is bad by any stretch it's just not near as good as the numbers just offhand actually give to you here and you know one of the deals i think about aj brown and and i'm curious to see if you kind of got to the same handicap for me is I think he's probably a legitimate, you know, top 10, 12 wide receiver in the league. And if that's the case, look, 
yeah, you can know that the ball's got to go to him early and often, but he's going to get open. They're going to manufacture touches for him. They're going to figure out how to get him the ball over and over again because they know the ball is going to Devontae Adams every single time. We know that the ball is going to Tyreek Hill every single time. We know the ball, it, it doesn't, these guys are just able to get open. These guys are just able to get manufactured touches. And so um, I'm not incredibly worried about A.J. Brown getting the ball. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Miami has the worst offensive line maybe I've ever seen. And I think at the end of the day, that is probably what ends up making the difference to me. Yeah, that, that that was the thing for me. I don't think Miami can block them. You know, 32nd in pass block win rate, bottom of the league in, in PFF offensive line grade. And, you know, I've been going on about this Tennessee defensive line all season. They're 10th in sacks, but they're arguably better than that, I, in my view. And I, I just don't think there's a way that Miami's going to block them, especially when you start factoring in the weather here. This is going to be sub-zero. There's going to be snow flurries. Like this is, this is not where a team from Miami wants to be playing, especially kind of this gimmicky RPO offense, you know, that they, they can't run the ball really. They, they've not run the ball all year long. So, and they're definitely not doing it against this defensive line. Um, so yeah, I mean, I bet Miami under 17 and a half today at William Hill and Caesars. Um, that might be my favorite way to play it as it stands. Cause I, I don't want to lay three and a half. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if we do think it's going to be a snowy, low scoring game and there are still questions about Tennessee. I think they're probably middle of the pack offense with, with AJ yeah. Brown in there uh, and they're much healthier on the offensive line this week. You know, they were missing left tackle and left guard against a good Niners D line last week. So, you know, I think that, I think they will be able to run the ball well here as well. So yeah, if it went back to three, then Tennessee minus three, or if it stays at three and a half, then uh, Miami team total under for me. As you mentioned, Taylor Lewan uh, back out there for Tennessee as well this week. Uh, and listen, if you look and every, you know, people have talked about Tua's completion percentage and how good, how you know how high it is, how he leads the league in completion percentage. That's true. But if you've watched this offense play. It is the ultimate definition of a dink and dunk offense. It is dink, dunk, dink, dunk, dink, dunk, four-yard pass, four-yard pass, four-yard pass, four-yard pass over and over and over and over again. Now, that works to an extent, but when you're doing that, you basically have to be flawless because if you're only getting four yards at a time, moving the ball down the field becomes a really hard task every single time you get the ball, which is why even last week, as good as Tua was from a completion percentage standpoint, and as much as it felt like maybe that they dominated that Saints team, they didn't put that very many, they didn't put very many points on the board. Remember that one of those touchdowns that they had was a pick six. It wasn't even an offensive touchdown against the Saints last week. And so it's one of those deals to where when you really kind of break this down, this offense is and has to operate nearly perfectly in order to move the ball up and down the field nearly flawlessly to put points on the board because they don't ever get they don't ever get plays in chunks they don't get chunk yardage they don't get big plays and so um I think there's a little bit of a coming back down to earth here this week for Miami so like I said I have the three in my account um, I think threes, I think threes will show back up if they're not showing back up for you as it is right now. So I, I re- definitely recommend <coughs> recommend it at three, maybe not at three and a half. Steven, do you have any other thing to say before we go and tell everyone and and uh, and and tell everybody why you're right, we're wrong and that they should be taking the three and a half with the Miami Dolphins? I just think if you're going to downgrade Miami for the schedule that they've played, which is a legitimate criticism, they played a bunch of cupcakes other than the the one week they shut down Lamar Jackson and the Ravens during the seven game winning streak. If you're going to downgrade them for the schedule, then 
I think we should probably downgrade Tennessee for for their schedule too. I mean, and they lost to Houston. They consistently were not able to move the ball. So it sounds to me that you're putting a lot of eggs in the basket of AJ Brown being back and healthy after dominating a horrifically bad 49ers secondary to lay the three and a half here. So um and I, I hear you on the offensive line concerns with Miami. I get that too. I just think that these two teams are not three and a half points apart. Well, I um, I look forward to us uh, reconvening next week here and uh, <laughs> yeah. seeing which one of us was on the right As side. As you said last week, when I'm against you guys, it has not gone well this year. So, hey, maybe I'll get we'll, one this time. We'll, we'll, we'll check it out. But uh, it's it's going to be an interesting game and, and a game, obviously, with just a, an incredible amount of of. Um, uh, current amount of juice towards what's going to happen in the playoff the play- race. Because yeah, playoff the, implications the, for sure. The the Titans are still there. They, you know, it doesn't feel like it, but the Titans are the two seed still right now. very, they are very, very, very live for the number one overall seed. If they were to win out and the Chiefs were to lose one of the last two games, they would be the number one seed in the AFC. Just so crazy. this has a ton of implications for the playoffs for sure. So we'll be watching this one closely. Atlanta Falcons on the road to the Buffalo Bills. This one probably not going to be an incredibly long handicap for us here. It is a two touchdown or 14 and a hook in favor of the Bills. Total of 44, 44 and a half. Uh, Brad, if we look at this, um, look, the Bills have been very good at beating up on bad opponents. They are like the ultimate bully in the NFL so far this year. I mean, when they play inferior opponents, they beat them and they beat them down outside of that one loss to the Jags. So a ton here still left to play for, for the bills, obviously. And on the Falcons, not so much. I guess the question is, is are you willing to lay two touchdowns with the bills? Well, I certainly would not Matt. Uh, it's, it's a lot, but I will say this. I, I think the line is appropriate. I didn't have a strong opinion on either side. Uh, the Falcons barely beat bad teams and they get blown out by good teams. You mentioned it since week 10, they lost to the Niners by 18. They lost to the Bucks by 13, the Patriots by 25 and the Cowboys by 40. So don't let the seven and eight record fool you. This to me, this Atlanta team is a, is a bottom five team, maybe a bottom seven at best in the NFL. They're bottom five in DVOA. They're bottom 10 in win rates along both of the lines. So this is still a bad team to me. It wouldn't shock me in the least if the Bills cover 14. Wouldn't shock me in the least if the Falcons backdoor this thing and get inside that spread. So, um, Brad, how do, how do you see this one? I think the Bills should blow them out of here. I can see the Falcons not really scoring any points. Um, Stephen, you were talking about the you know bottom five in all those metrics. I think Football Outsiders have them dead last, and they wow. said well, whatever whatever number of wins they get to the season, they'll be the worst team ever to get that many wins. Right? If they, if they, oh they finish with seven wins, the worst team they've ever tracked here. Because as you said, you know they they keep grinding out like a four point win on the last play of the game against the backup quarterback against the Detroit Lions and then they get blown out by any good teams um, and, and the Bills we've seen this all season they are happy to blow teams out you know 14-0 at home against the Texans that kind of thing so I, I don't think the Falcons get any pressure at all I don't think I don't think uh, I don't think you know that both 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 lines are going to be dominated by the Bills um, it's going to be snow again it's going to be sub-zero again I'm, I'm not sure this Dome team from Georgia is going to enjoy that weather up in Buffalo. Um, so I, I personally played the under 44 and a half, um, you know, again, assuming the Falcons score like three points maybe. Um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault you for laying the, the 14 either. I think that's probably the side. Yeah. I, I, 
it's crazy though. I, I, I think two touchdowns is the way to go in this thing. And I, I, you know, I know I'm not, I'm not making a living off of, of laying two touchdowns in the NFL, but you, the couple of different things. I mean, like we said, one, the bills have just been beaten down bad teams all years. It is anyway. And then this Falcons team, that record is certainly, certainly much better than this team actually is. Now, Steven, do we want to take a little walk down narrative street? However, I, I always love our our walks. It's like a long walk on the beach. It's beautiful. Kyle Pitts is 128 yards away from breaking the rookie tight end receiving record. Hmm. The Falcons are going to catch all kinds of hell for not using that number four pick on a quarterback, for not using that number four pick on something else, whatever it might be. They can always say, but he broke the rookie tight end receiving record. <laughs> you know, like you can say what you want to say, but he broke the rookie tight end receiving record. So you can't fault us for taking that guy. Obviously, he was really, really good. I know that these bonuses come into play more than we think. I know that these records mean more to people than we think as well. It would not surprise me if Pitts got even extra targets this week and depending on what his receiving number from a yardage standpoint is lined at i would be looking at nothing but the over matt you could uh play coy all you want we both know that you're bringing this up because you bet me straight up 200 yards more than what his line (laughs) was at the beginning of the season bumped it up to a thousand and i stupidly took the under on it so uh we, we all we both know that this is what this is no, I mean, in all honesty, though, I think that this is a really good opportunity. Um, for, no, I, I agree from, with you. From, I think from a I think incentives. I think incentives and extra money and contracts is a very real thing this time of year, especially with teams like this. Yeah, and, and again, like I think for them to justify that pick, at least being able to to say that he set the rookie tight end receiving record is at least something that they're going to want to talk about. So again, 128 yards away, not saying he gets there this game. There is two weeks left, but I bet you he gets a ton of targets in this game. Jacksonville Jaguars on the road at the New England Patriots. Another massive spread in this one. 16 at DraftKings, 16 and a half at points bet. There is a 15 and a half at, um, at BetMGM. But boy, just massive, massive spread in this one now we know brad that the jags are dealing with about half the team on the covid list right now also we might be dealing with the fact that trevor lawrence hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since like night since like 1997 or whatever and i know that's impossible because he wasn't born yet but they they can't get into the end zone they had a chance for for glory last week 75 yards to glory for the jacksonville jaguars to to get that win last week they drive it all the way down the field can't get it in the end zone and, and and take the l to the jets do you think that 16 is a is a number that a team that's built like the Patriots can cover even against this uh, COVID, COVID-riddled Jags team? Um, we, we've seen them cover it. I mean, you probably remember the second game against the Jets. They were just running up the score, and they, I think they won 45-13 or something stupid. Um, the, the COVID stuff, I think, makes it hard to have a, an opinion here. It is literally half the team. I think it's four or five starting offensive linemen on the list. So, I mean, you have to, you have to monitor that because... Yeah, if none of them play, then again, I could see the Jags scoring zero points. Like mm. they, they will not be able to block this defensive line. They've got zero receivers who can get open. You know, Lecron, Lecron Treadwell is still getting the targets. The ghost of Marvin Jones is getting the targets. None of them are getting open. Um, and the the coaching mismatch here, we, we've spoken literally all year long. 
you know, about the problems like with the Jags running routes at the same depth, just running into each other. Well, you've got the opposite end of the spectrum in the Patriots. So it's it's just a massive mismatch everywhere you look. So uh, maybe maybe I would look at under 41 and a half. Again, this is a, it's going to be another weather game. Um, and if, if, we, if we think that the Jags are not scoring at all, I, I doubt the Patriots are picking up 40 by themselves. Yeah, I'm... So my look is an under. There's a 42 still available out there. I think this is an under game. I, I don't see the Jags putting the ball in the end zone very often at all. And and we, look, with the Patriots, they very well could run up the score and they very well could cover this number, but it's going to be via the run, right? They're not going to be passing it all over the field. They're not going to be marching it up and down the field. That's just not what this team does. That's not how they're built. And Bill Belichick isn't the type to really get away from a game plan, especially here two weeks heading into the playoffs. They they need to just perfect what they do well and perfect what they do uh, uh, what they what they want Matt Jones to do in this offense. And so, Stephen, again, I can't believe I'm saying this. If I had to play it, I'm not going to. I'd lay it with the Patriots, but I I do think the under is the way that I'm looking at this thing. Uh, we just saw the Patriots a few weeks ago in a dome in perfect environment against a team at full strength shut out the Falcons 25 nothing so they're they're fully capable of just completely shutting down what in my opinion has been one of the dumbest football teams I've ever watched in my entire life this year in this Jacksonville team I mean just last week they have a chance to win the game they spike the ball on third and goal yeah. and then can't get the play in in time on fourth and goal which spawned all kinds of tanking conspiracy theories on Twitter. I just think they're literally that dumb. I think they are that inept. So yeah, I don't, I don't care how many points you give me with Jacksonville these last two weeks. I'm not taking it. I'm good. I'm off the train. I'm happy to sit here and revel Matt in the last couple of weeks where we had some type of all <laughs> urban Meyer freedom fest, uh, discount on this spread. And we cashed in on, on a free money Houston plus five against Jacksonville. And I'm happy to sit here and, and have that and move on. Cause I, this team is not getting any more of my money. Las Vegas Raiders on the road at the Indianapolis Colts. Um, as we sit right now, this has moved back to seven. And when I say back to seven, because this was the COVID game of the week. The news came through that Carson Wentz that we know is unvaccinated. And this was a big storyline coming into the season. He was unvaccinated and he finally ended up getting it and he got moved to the COVID list. That said, later that day, the COVID protocols for the NFL changed. And in, in theory, he would be able to be back and play this week if he were to be showing unsymptomatic um, uh, after the five days that he is required to be away from the team. This is a seven point spread in favor of the Colts, a 44 and a half. The spread is set as if Carson Wentz is going to play yep. in this game. And I know this, Stephen, because the Carson Wentz news came and this number fell to a point and a half in which I took the Colts at a point and a half. So I am living on the island of CLV right now, guys. I know <laughs> I know you're I know you're envious Maybe. of me. Maybe. Yes, that I'm. Yeah, well, yeah, we shall see. Uh, as, a, as we record this right now, I am just uh, I'm going to go buy me a Ferrari with all the CLV that I've got. because You know how that works. Like, CL, you know, CLV is like betting gold um, with everything. But uh, in all seriousness, my handicap from that point and Steven, I know we're on the opposite sides here, so I'll get yours. But my handicap from that point was 
at a point and a half, I'm not handicapping the Colts based off what Carson Wentz brings to the table anyway, right? So like I'm at that point, I'm more looking at, okay, a point and a half, can they barely squeak out a win here by just riding Jonathan Taylor in that good defense over and over and over and over again? That's how that changes for me. The calculus changed when it went down to a point and a half. Now it jumped back up to six and a half, has now climbed back to seven, and you were able to get into even better number on the Raiders. I was, yeah. Before all of the COVID news, I actually bet the Raiders very early this week at at plus eight. I was, I was just of the opinion that more than a touchdown was too much in this game. And I love the Colts. I love their postseason prospects. I just thought that was a bit too much. So as we sit here now, obviously, Matt, I think you you hit the nail on the head pretty well. If there's clearly optimism based on the line movement that Carson Wentz is going to clear the protocols and play in this game. If he does, it wouldn't shock me if this gets back up to seven and a half and maybe all the way back to the eight. If he doesn't, we're going to get all the way back down to your two minus one and a half and your CLV is going to go out the window. So I mean, we'll see if he does actually clear. There's clearly optimism. Other than Wentz, their right tackle, Braden Smith, is still on the COVID list. So we'll see if he clears. And their left tackle, Eric Fisher, has had back-to-back DNPs in practice this week. So he might not play completely irregardless of any COVID situation. That's concerning against a Raiders front four on defense. That's top 12 in pressure rate, top 10 in pass rush win rate, despite being dead last in blitz rate. And devil's advocate argument is, well, the Colts run the ball. Well, the Raiders are also top 10 in run stop win rate against this Jonathan Taylor offense this week. So to me, the question to whether I want to back that number where it's at right now is, is can the Raiders score enough in the last three weeks, believe it or not, Vegas has been fourth in success rate. Derek Carr has been seventh in dropback success rate. They've just been outside the top 20 in EPA and dropback EPA. So they're, they're not getting explosive chunk plays. So if they're moving the ball, I think they can at least cover this number. I mean, the Colts are beatable through the air. They're 31st in pressure rate on defense. They're outside the top 10 in pass DVOA. Uh, and also outside the top 10 in PFF grade. So long story short, I just thought the number was too big. I think anything more than a touchdown here, I'm going to back the Raiders. Yeah, I think a full touchdown might be a little much here, Brad. But when you look, I mean, the Raiders, without Darren Waller now for the rest of the season, they've gone ahead and shut him on down. And without him on this offense, this Raiders offense is basically like Miami Dolphins light, right? I mean, this is just what they, this kind of what they do. They dink and dunk it down the field. There's no explosive plays to speak of whatsoever. So you almost have to run perfectly. You have to run so incredibly pure because when you're only getting a few yards at a time, when you don't get one of those little dink and dunk passes to work, well, you're punting the ball away. And so uh, this Colts defense has certainly shown up here over the last two months of the season. And I definitely like the Colts to win. I think I like the Colts to win even if Sam Ellinger has to go. But I would certainly at that point not be be laying the seven. I think the danger here in laying any number with the Colts, even if you want to play them in a teaser or whatever it might be, is the fact that that Wentz might not go and this number is going to to plummet drastically. So um, I guess my my thing would be if you like the Raiders, take it the seven now possibly is something I would look to be doing just to have that seven in my pocket. If you like the Colts. I think I'd probably hold out here because, again, we just don't know that this Carson this Carson Wentz situation is going to work itself out. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think 
you pro- at the number it is now at seven, I think you've got to take the Raiders because you, you're getting basically yeah. a half point discount from what it was before for A, the chance that Wentz doesn't clear and, it, and he obviously he's not vaccinated. So there is a good chance he is symptomatic and, and can't go. And B, the fact that he might not be himself because he's he's had COVID, right? And, he, and he's not had mm. any protection. So it, it's going to hurt it, might have an impact on him. Um, now, if if he is ruled out and it goes down to one and a half again, I'll, I'll be back on the Colts like you because mm. I don't think Carson Wentz is worth five points, surely. Like, he's, he's not right. that good. You know, right. the, the rest of the Colts team is good. The offensive line, the coaching is good. Uh, Robbie Greer actually had quite some interesting research this week. He's a, he's a good follow on Twitter, um, basically showing that good quarterbacks or good schemes when the when that starting quarterback goes out they cover the spread um, because it's actually more about the scheme and, and the surrounding parts rather than just the quarterback itself um, so we, you know we overemphasize how good a good quarterback is when it actually is it's a lot of the supporting cast which which might be the case here um, so yeah that's what I do Raiders now or if Wentz doesn't go uh, Colts minus two and a half one and a half yeah I like that as well and you know guys hopefully you understand why we're giving you multiple scenarios in these games because there's just multiple things that could end up happening throughout the course of these games and so um you know giving you the the different views here hopefully gives you some perspective whenever everything starts to clear up a little bit um anytime between now and so that's the other thing too is like this could happen anytime between now and sunday as well so that's something that we're we're trying to figure out along the way as well as when these guys might actually start getting cleared when they might start coming off of this list. So uh, we're navigating it along with you here. Tampa Bay Bucks on the road at the Jets. The Bucks are 13 to 13 and a half point road favorites over the New York Jets, a total of 45 or 45 and a half. Brad, I'll start with you on this one. One thing we know for sure, they're going to be without Chris Godwin because he is done for the rest of the year. We also know Leonard Fournette is not going to be out there because he's on IR and can't play throughout the rest of the regular season. Now we get an injury report that Antonio Brown had to miss practice yesterday as well. And so now you look, you're down. We know Mike Evans as well is... um, is at least iffy. He did come back from practice, uh, did come back to practice on Thursday, but it was one of those um, COVID situations where the beat reporters were saying that, and you rarely hear negative stuff from beat reporters, and the beat reporters were saying that it, it looked like he was fatiguing easily out there. So even if he goes, he is going to be less than 100%. Is this too many points for basically a shell of what the Bucks were even three weeks ago? Um, I would probably prefer to lay it. I think, I think again, the Jets are going to struggle to score here. You know, they're, they're 26th in pressure allowed and they're going up against a very good defensive line. He's going to be missing some parts. Shaq Barrett probably going to be out, but they've got this uh, rookie Joe Tryon Schwenker. He can he can step right in. He's been above average in pass rush win rate all year long. And then you know on the interior, obviously you've got Sue and Vita Vea, and the Jets just aren't blocking them. Um, and it's the same on the other side of the ball. Like Bucks, probably the best offensive line in the NFL. The Jets have got zero outside speed rush. So. I just, I just think Brady. If you give him all day, even if he's chucking it up to Scotty Miller, I think I would definitely prefer to be laying minus thirteen. Probably my favorite again would be the under forty-five and a half. Um, you know, as a, I, I don't think the Jets are moving it, and if we do think these these weapons are a drop off, um, the Bucks last week they did slow down as well. Uh, much less no huddle. They took longer seconds per snap. Probably as, as a reflection of, of the weapons they had out there. 
Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that again. And again, another another game where there's going to be possible like flurries of snow, um, possible little bit of wind, some rain maybe. So it's not going to be ideal weather. And I, you could see the Bucks just shutting it down with like a 20 nil lead at halftime kind of thing. So Stephen, let's take a walk down Narrative Street here yet again. Um, Antonio Brown, of course, didn't practice on Thursday. So we'll see what his practice uh Situation looks like on Friday what his game uh, status is as well. But if he were to go, we know that when he signed with the Bucks, it was a very incentive laden contract. So he needs eleven catches for a three hundred and thirty three thousand dollar bonus. He needs two hundred and eighty one yards for another three hundred and thirty three thousand dollar bonus, and he needs two touchdowns for another three hundred and thirty three thousand dollar bonus. So he has a million dollars in bonus money laying out there for 11 receptions, 281 yards, and two touchdowns over the final two games of the season. If we know anything about Antonio Brown, if you don't think he has walked up and mentioned this to Tom Brady at least a half a dozen times over the past week, I think we are kidding ourselves. <laughs> Even if he hasn't, he's, he is the alpha of this offense at this point. His first game back with Evans and Godwin not on the field, he had 15 targets, 10 receptions, for 101 yards. So he is getting force fed the football. So keep an eye out for if he is healthy, what they line his props at this week against the lowly Jets defense. So I'm I'm with Brad here. I would have no interest in taking the points with the New York Jets. And a big reason for that to me is not so much about the Bucks offense, but the Bucks defense. They have looked elite against inferior offenses the past two weeks, only allowed nine points to the Saints, only allowed six points to the Panthers. So how do they get enough points to cover this spread? Are you banking on the Bucks offense scoring 24 or fewer points. Cause I certainly wouldn't do that. So that's kind of where I'm at here. I think we're actually getting maybe a, a point or two discount of what this would normally be for the Bucks at full strength. And if Antonio Brown is healthy, I think their, their offense is perfectly adequate to still put up an elite performance. Yeah. I don't have a play on this one as we sit right now. Like I said, I, I, I lean to the under, but the other main one for me is, if Antonio Brown's going to play any any of his props, uh, I think we can look at those uh, pretty, pretty confidently. Los Angeles Rams at the Baltimore Ravens. This thing has now come up to four and a half in favor of the Rams. Uh, Forty six and a half is your total. This was sitting at three where I got it. I got it. The Rams at three. It moved to three and a half. Now we get word that it's definitely, it looks like it's not going to be Lamar Jackson again this week, but Tyler Huntley is, is at least back to kind of guide this Ravens team as well. Um, boys, if we are for our final narrative, um, for our final narratives of the week, that if we're trying to, uh, cause you know, that's what we do here. We, we, we play, uh, we play narratives. <laughs> Cooper Cup. Now, this is this is this one though. I think as far as like records go and all that, if you know, Cooper Cup is two hundred and thirty-one yards and eighteen catches away from the single season record for both of those categories. So he can break the receptions record and the yardage record with nineteen uh, with eighteen receptions and two hundred. And 31 yards. Now, I don't think he's going to get the yardage necessarily, because as we know, there's there's more to it when it comes to the yardage thing. But 
Stephen, you can manufacture catches. You can manufacture receptions and touches and stuff. Every time a guy runs a jet sweep and the quarterback just just like drops the ball in front of him and he catches it, that's a reception for the receiver and all that. So um, I would bet a lot of money that Sean McVay is going to try to get Cooper Cup at least one of these records, if not both. So he is going to get fed against this depleted, horrible, terrible secondary for the Ravens that just got torched by Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Cooper Cup might have Cooper Cup might have 14 catches in this game, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. He might have three touchdowns, too. I mean, it has nothing to do with the records, obviously. But, I mean, Joe yeah. Burrow just put up 500-plus yards and, what was it, four touchdowns, five touchdowns, a lot a friggin' lot of, of production against this completely decimated Ravens secondary. So um, this was my favorite bet of the week, Matt, earlier this week when I think it was three I got it at, at minus 115. Yeah. And then it hung out at around three and a half for a while. And I was debating doubling down, putting two units on it. That's how much I loved it. It made no sense to me that that's what the line was after the Rams were three and a half on the road at Minnesota after playing on a Tuesday. They made This line made no sense. At this point in the season with how decimated they were, we do our power rankings each week. I had the the Vikings rated higher than the Ravens at this point in the season with all of the injuries that Baltimore is dealing with. So it's it's obviously moved back up a little bit. Um, Lamar Jackson's limping around the practice field. He went from a limited practice to no practice. So who the hell knows who's going to start at quarterback for Baltimore at this point? And I I don't think it really matters, to be honest with you. So yeah. the only question I have for you guys is is if you want to back the Rams, what's your stop point here? Where are you where are you going to be not comfortable anymore laying it? Because I think this number is just going to keep climbing. Rams do get back Andrew Whitworth, their uh, standout tackle from the COVID list. So he will be back out there for them as well. They did have to put Daryl Henderson on IR. So that is something to to keep in mind. So I think Michelle, that's irrelevant, though, at this point. I mean, yeah. This, Sonny, this, yeah. Yeah, so well, I I think more than anything because it doesn't look like Cam Akers is going to play either. So this was more from a. It does look like Sony Michelle is going to get all the touches yeah. there. So something else to keep in mind if you're looking at these prop numbers whenever they do come out. Um, Brad, listen, I'm not saying that this Rams team is this Bengals offense at this point. I honestly, I honestly think I would prefer Joe Burrow over Matthew Stafford. And obviously I would prefer the wide receiver trio in Cincinnati over what they've got going on in, um, in Los Angeles. But if you're, if you're asking me, can they go out and Matthew Stafford, even his current situation throw for three thirty against this secondary, I think that that's something he could definitely do. I'm, I'm looking for reasons that this four and a half is too much. And I'm having trouble coming up with, with reasons why this four and a half is too much. Secondary is getting healthier. It looks like they could get Taven Young, Jimmy Smith, and maybe Chuck Clark back as well. So that's you know that's quite a, quite a decent improvement just from last week. Um, and then I would say that Stafford is, you know, there there is this trend of McVeigh offenses getting worse in the second half of the year, and Stafford has been pretty bad for like a month now. You know, last week he threw for yeah. 197 yards at five yards an attempt with three picks. Um, you know, he was bad, and, and that's a Vikings defense without any edge rushers with like Patrick Peterson as their top corner. You know, that's not a good defense. And he really, really struggled in a dome. So, you know, I I think it's dangerous to assume he's just coming out here and and doing what Joe Burrow did. 
Um, so I would say at the current number, I might like the under 46 and a half. Um, I, I would wait because I think you might get 47. But there, again, there there is weather around, you know, the entire just like the entire US is is potential weather this week. Um, as I say, Ravens secondary a bit healthier. Rams not doing much. And then I don't think the Ravens offensive line can block Aaron Donald and the Rams here. You know, the, the Rams defensive line, number one in, in pass rush win rate. And then you've got the Ravens um, 28th in uh, pressure allowed, basically. So that's going to be a mess. It, it's probably going to be Huntley back there. But again, we, we spoke about this last week. That there's going to be more and more tape out there on Huntley. Um, and to assume he can do what he did against the Packers, where, you know, he came in the back door. I uh, I don't think I don't think we can expect that from him, especially when you've got Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller in his face. Uh, I think that could get messy. Yeah, it's just going to be tough for me to lay. I mean, uh, take any points with the Ravens, given their current offensive situation with with Huntley and and also just that that defense. I I do know they. Yeah, I get it that they're getting a little bit healthier, but it's still it's still a pretty bad secondary. I think that the Rams are going to be able to do most of what they want to in this one. So it's Rams I, again. I, I took the Rams at three. That's a much better number than four and a half. So it's hard for me to recommend four and a half, but it would be it'd be a lay it or pass for me on this one. Eagles and the Washington football team. The Eagles are three and a half point to four and a half point road favorites in this one. A total of 44 and a half or 45. Um, Brad, start with you here. This Eagles team, look, they still have something to play for. They're still in the playoff hunt. They're going to need some help. Yeah, but they, they can still get in. And so they're going up against the Washington football team. They got absolutely embarrassed this past week by the Dallas Cowboys. And now we see a three and a hook. If the I, I, here's my first question, then I'll and then get to how you look at this game. Would this have a three and a hook if the Washington football team had not gotten embarrassed, where everybody was watching, and in you know the Dallas Cowboys just go out there and absolutely destroy them? Would this have the hook on it if this if that had just been a I don't know six point Cowboy win, or do you think that 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 this line is is pretty appropriate I'm not sure I think obviously the, it, it was probably a bad spot for the football team um, you know coming off that Tuesday night game against these same Eagles um, and you know they, they did just get blown out of the water so you know a lot of people a lot of people were making fun of Colin Cowherd this week for saying you're going to get the football team's best effort because they got blown out on TV but <laughs> I think he's right I think that you are going to get the football team's best effort um, they are getting a lot of people back off COVID I do. I'm a, you know, I'm a long. We're, I think we're long time Eagles fans on this podcast. Mm. I think the look for me is is probably under 45 here. Um, I think you're going to get the Eagles are going to stick to running the ball. That's what they do best. It's what they did in that first game, and they got movement um, even against those two defensive tackles uh, who were healthy. And you know, they're, they're punching each other in the head last week on the sideline, uh, which mm. is good to see. Um, and yeah, it's just the weather, it's just the weather angle. Two teams who played each other two weeks ago, and two teams that just move slowly. Basically, if you, you look at you know seconds per snap, um, it's, it's not a strong look for me. I, I think it's probably pretty appropriately lined, but um, I think we see a lot of running and a lot of moving clock into bad weather. New York Giants and oh, actually, Stephen, let me get your your take here on the Eagles and the football team. Um, you know, look, forty four and a half, forty five seems right ish. 
I think if this was three, it might be a small buy on the Eagles for me, but it's not. It's three and a half. It's just a, it's kind of a weird game. And, and I know people are going to look and say, what do you mean? The Eagles are heading in the right direction. Washington's heading in the wrong direction. And, and I can buy all that, but it's just a, it's a weird game, a weird line. And, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to find anything in this one. So if you look at what Washington had in their four game winning streak a few weeks ago, they they took advantage of a Bucks secondary through the air and they played three below average offenses in Carolina, Seattle and Las Vegas. They followed that up with three losses twice to Dallas and once against the Eagles. So um, I do think that you will get a much better effort from Washington this week. I just don't think they're going to cover three and a half still. So they, you could give their best effort and they could still lose by a touchdown at this point. So I just think since week 10, the Eagles have looked really strong. And the way that roster is built, A, they're healthy and they are elite in key spots and key units on their team, which I think gives them a pretty wide range of outcomes on any given week, even if they get some slightly below average quarterback play. Since week 10, the Eagles are top 10 in EPA and success rate. Washington football team is below average in that span. The Eagles defense is top six in EPA and success rate. The Washington football team is below average in that span. Philly's just elite in those areas along the lines. They're top two in blocking win rates. They're top three in pass rush win rate, seventh in run stop win rate. They might have the best offensive line in the league. I mean, Jason Kelsey, if you watch his tape each week, this, this guy might be a Hall of Famer. At his age, he still looks elite out there. And in the secondary, Darius Slay is having a career year after having a few years where he's dipping off a little bit. He's third among all cornerbacks in PFF grades, so he can erase Terry McLaurin in this matchup. They have a slot corner of Vontae Maddox, who's top 20 in PFF grade. And Steven Nelson, their other outside corner, Hasn't been a liability this year like he was for a year uh, ago. He, he has a passer rating allowed of less than 90 in nine games this year. So they're just they're just a really well-rounded football team, regardless of what you think of Jalen Hurts in this rushing offense. New York Giants and the Chicago Bears. The Bears are five and a half to six point home favorites over the New York football Giants. A total of 37 in this game, guys, 37 point total in the NFL here in 2021. Steven, look, this this Giants team is just beat up and battered. That said, maybe from the looks of this, they're going to be maybe as healthy as you could at least ex- expect them to be. But, um, you know, they're just talentless, right? We know Daniel Jones already gone for the rest of the season. It's just there's not a lot to there's not a lot to really latch on to here if you want to back the Giants. But I mean, again, it's one of the things where you can at least say, well, for the guys that could be out there and could be playing, it looks like the majority of those guys will be out there. I mean, the line is a little inflated if we're being honest, right? Like perhaps this is why we've seen a little movement from Bears minus six to to Bears minus five and a half here before we get to the weekend. But man, I I rank the Giants 31st in our power rankings at the lines this week. And it's a ranking on who should be favored on a neutral field for this particular week. Like this offense is putrid at this point. I I only have Jacksonville is worse since they lost Daniel Jones in week 13. 
31st in EPA and success rate, 31st and dead last and drop back EPA and success rate. The Mike Glennon experience has been a train wreck. The kid from Georgia was a train wreck. Didn't even finish the game. Uh, the only offense that's been worse in this stretch in those advanced metrics has been the New Orleans Saints and probably because Ian Book had to get trotted out there in a COVID week. So mm-hmm. with an offense that's below average, though, in the Chicago Bears itself, also bottom 10 in defense since week 13, I'm not laying five and a half or six in a game with a total of 37. Like that's one of the worst things you can do in, in football betting at this point. So uh, I just, just a stay away for me, who the hell knows how this is going to play out. This, this feels like a game that has a, a wide range of outcomes, frankly. Uh, and at least in terms of, of whether it gets inside the number here, Brad, two bad teams to be coupled with temperatures around 20 degrees Fahrenheit 15 to 20 mile an hour winds, which will make that temperature of 20 feel like it's closer to 10. So that's why we're sitting here. Uh, combine those two things together. We get a total of 37 in an NFL game here. Um, can you, could you possibly play an under in a game with a 37 total? Um, I mean, maybe nowadays, like, you know, you look at that New Orleans game Monday night. Yeah. <laughs> it, it went under by that was 37. Yeah, yeah, it went under by 18 yeah. with a pick six. So that was that was clearly the right side. Um, can I do it here? Probably. I'll, I'll probably rather play under 37. And I would rather take the six because of because of all that stuff. Um, you know, I think if you just look at someone like Football Outsiders, the, the number should be close to four and a half. You know, the Giants had a much harder schedule. And given, you know, given the depressed scoring, I think you could only play it one way, which is the under and take the points. I've not done either because I'm not a sicko. Um, and I, I just I can't, I don't want money on Jake, Jake, Jake from or Mike Glennon. You know, it's, I don't know. There's better things to do. Final score, yeah. 12 to nine. <laughs> I, I honestly think the only play for me in this game would be the under. And I can't believe I'm saying that in a 37 game, but I think the only play for me would be the under. Perhaps a game of the week, Kansas City Chiefs on the road at the Cincinnati Bengals. Right now, the Chiefs are anywhere from a four to a five and a half point favorite in this one. So shop around depending on which side you want in this thing. A total of 51. Joe Burrow and company coming off of a just absolute shellacking of the Ravens this past week. And then the Chiefs coming off of a big win themselves, getting that done without Travis Kelsey out on the field. The Chiefs. Looking like they figured some stuff out here, Brad, whenever there was a stat that came across that in that kind of cover two shell look that too high safety thing that they've been doing against this Chiefs team over the last three weeks, the Chiefs have the highest first down percentage against that defense of any team in the NFL. So shocker, a good quarterback and a good coach got together and figured something out as to how to go about attacking this thing that had maybe been bothering them for about half a season. So here we are, you know, a a four to five point spread against a very hot Bengals team with a lot to play for, but they're not out of the playoffs if they were to lose this game. And I took the four at Kansas city here uh, with Kansas city. And you guys know Jesus H burrow is, is, is my savior, but, um, I just thought it was a short number here against a against a, a chief squad that I think is is 
hitting on all cylinders here, figured some stuff out on the offensive side of the ball, and has actually been playing fairly decent defense for the last month and a half. Yeah, I'm. I'm an. I'm, I would say I've been a noted Chiefs hater this year. Like I've been been trying to bet against them where possible, but I agree with you here. I think I think they've figured it out. Um, you know, I suppose it shouldn't be a surprise that they figured out how to beat cover two. Right? You know, come on, they're they're two two <laughs> Hall of Famers probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they've got you know a top five offensive line by run blocking by pass blocking. They, they've got they've got the weapons. So now. You know, as you say, on the defensive side, they're top ten in pressure rate in the second half of the season. They're top ten in pressure rate when just rushing four, so they're not even needing to do these exotic spags blitzes. So, yeah, I, I think the Chiefs score. I, 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 that's not really in question. The, the Bengals faced an easy schedule, and when they have stepped up like against the Chargers a couple of weeks ago, you know they've been boat raced. Um, so I think the Chiefs score, and then I think the Bengals are going to struggle to block this front four again. Um, you know, they, they struggled last week even against the Ravens. Um, but the Ravens had no one in the secondary. Uh, but that's that's not the case here. I think Chris Jones is going to go berserk on the interior here. So my preferred way of playing it is the Chiefs' first half. I'm looking at minus three, about minus one one five at the minute. Um, and I think that gets us the Andy Reid script. That gets us a fresh pass rush, and it, it takes it takes out the chance of Joe Burrow just slinging it around in the second half. Um, I mean, the the other thing to consider in the first half is whether Zach Taylor goes back to this run game. That is that is the weakness of the Chiefs' defense. They're still bad yeah. against the run. And does does Zach Taylor go? Okay, we we got we got the bank, we got that weak Ravens secondary last week, but now we've got to attack attack the run defense here, um, which you know I suspect is not going to go well for them either. So yeah, I like Chiefs first half minus three minus one fifteen. Stephen, I would like to think that if you look back at if if you know when we look back on the season that we're not going to look back at these last couple of weeks and the the Bengals didn't make the playoffs because Zach Taylor decided that he wanted to get back to his roots of running the ball all the time. I mean, the reason you drafted these wide receivers, the reason you have Joe Burrow, the reason that you are that you've been successful for the amount of time that you've been successful is because it's better for them to just back up and throw the ball. Not every time, but you know what I'm saying. At a much higher rate than running the ball, throwing the ball in early downs and stuff like that. That being said, there's no reason for us to think that, that that they will. And that was another one of the reasons why I ended up on the Chiefs in this thing. But um, what do you think here of the overall prospects for the Bengals? And then what do you think of this 51 total in this one? I think the total is is appropriate. I think there's a, a large chance that the Bengals are playing from behind in the second half, as Brad said, yeah. and, and Burrow's going to have to sling it around the field. So it's just hard for me any given week to handicap this Bengals team because we don't know what game plan Zach Taylor is going to trot out there, right? I mean, I, I wish I knew how much he was going to pass over expectation any given week. Last week was glorious, man. I mean, they were they threw the ball on 79% of first downs last week. It was amazing. Yeah. But the week before, they threw on less than 50% of first downs against Denver, and they only scored 15 points. So... I wish they would let Joe Joe Burrow cook every single week, even if there is an advantage statistically in the run game like there is in this one. I just don't trust that he's going to unleash Joe Burrow unless uh, unless he has to. I mean, we've seen that in a lot of games this year. We saw mm-hmm. it in the San Francisco game earlier this year as well. So I think the line is is about where it, it should be. 
Ben Baldwin's power rate ratings. Uh, he posts those every week on Twitter. He has these teams about six and a half apart on a neutral. So it's, it's about where this would be, depending on how much you want to give home field advantage for, for Cincinnati. The DVOA likes the Chiefs defense more, but PFF grade has the Bengals as the number four offense against the Chiefs number four defense. Number one overall passing game for the Bengals against the number four pass D for the Chiefs. So I don't know, flip a coin. Which Zach Taylor game plan are you going to get this week? Are you going to get Joe Burrow airing it out right away? Or is he going to run the ball and they're going to have to play from behind here? So we've seen teams try and have very long drives to keep Mahomes off the field. Uh, We've seen that a lot from from other opponents that the Chiefs have played. So I I, I don't have a good read on how this game is going to go. And I think the line is is pretty appropriate. One angle I will be looking for is if the, the Bengals do get behind and we can get a live spread of maybe more than a touchdown on the Bengals here, I'd be interested in that. That's a yeah, that's that's something to think about for sure. I am um I again I'm on I'm on the Chiefs in this one, I feel pretty good about it. Listen, I, I'm a Joe Burrow lover. I I thought I like this Bengals team overall. I just don't have a ton of faith in Zach Taylor to do what he needs to Me be neither. doing in this game. So uh hope I'm wrong. I do. I hope I'm wrong. I'll gladly lose that bet if the if the Bengals can get into the playoffs. Broncos on the road at the Chargers. Chargers are six, six and a half point home favorites in this one. For the Broncos, we're gonna get Drew Locke again, 45 and a half point total. Steven I don't want anything to do with this. The Chargers go out and lose outright to the Texans last week, despite the fact, despite the fact that this was a massively huge game for their playoff implications. And now they are behind the eight ball in all of this. There's never been a worse good team in the NFL than the Chargers. <laughs> they are the they they have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And that is not a team that I like to back. Uh, that being said, I'm not putting money behind Drew Locke either. So this will be a very easy pass for me. What say you? I say say what you want about the Broncos offense and how below average it is since they have they don't have a quarterback that can get it to some really good weapons. But this defense, this Vic Fangio defense has been holding teams below their team total pretty consistently here. If you go back and look, Warren Sharp tweeted this out earlier this week that it's been like seven of eight weeks or something like that where the Broncos opponent has gone below its team total. So and then they explode the week after when they don't have to face a Fangio defense. So um, maybe second time around, the Chargers are a little more better prepared. But I, I respect this defense and I don't want to lay this many points with the chargers, especially with just how volatile they are and how much variance there is on a given week, especially in these games where they may not convert on their fourth downs that that's happened from time to time. And we see the lower end of the spectrum in terms of their range of outcomes. So uh, this is a pass for me because if anything, I would, I would say Broncos are passed because the number's so high, but I don't trust the offense either for the Broncos. So it's, it's just a pass for me. Brad, Six, six and a half for the Chargers, 45 and a half against uh, Drew Locke and the Broncos. Any thoughts on this one? Um, no, I mean, for the Chargers, obviously Bosa and Derwin James. Um, as far as I can make out, it looks like they're going to be back. Derwin was lim- limited at practice. I think Bosa was COVID, so he should be good to go. Um, so 
I think they should be able to hold down Drew Locke, right? He is literally awful. Um, so I think we can kind of, you know, r- rule out some of what we saw last week with with the Texans going all over all over the park against the Chargers. Um, I, I don't think we see that again. And then on the other side of it, the Chargers had the best success rate in that game since 2018 of any team. Um, you know, they they were they were moving the ball at will um, they had some fumbles they had some drop passes you know they, they shot themselves in the foot a load of times um, all of that to say I don't really have a bet here I, I don't think you can lay six and a half with um, this team which yeah. which literally cannot stop the run and the, the Broncos are just going to be trying to run the ball um, and the Chargers haven't really shown they can stop that all year even if they're not as bad as we, they were last week Um I guess I would prefer the under if if we think they can slow down the the Broncos. They're trying to run the ball, and as as Stephen said, you know the, the Broncos have been slowing teams down. So under forty five and a half would be the look, but not one I bet. Here's one other thing I want to mention, Matt, mm-hmm. that we probably should is that the Broncos had a heartbreaking loss last week, and they're basically their playoff chances are basically done. So that's another situation that I kind of want to stay away from. Like they would need a miracle now to make the playoffs. Um, so is, is the motivation gone now after they, they lost the game that they had to have last week against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. So th- that's just a situation that I kind of want to, it's almost like a week 18 situation in week 17 that I, I kind of want to stay away from. Houston Texans on the road at the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are 12, 12 and a half point favorites in this one, a total of 44. The big news here being that, yes, we're going to likely, I mean, listen, I, I know they keep saying that, oh, Jimmy G wants to play and Jimmy G's going to try to play. And it's going to be Trey Lance. He's going to be the guy going here against Houston. I am uh, with that. That number has fallen down a point, a couple of points. In favor of the Texas people took those uh, the over the two touchdowns because, hey, look, it's Trey Lance. And obviously they must not think too incredibly highly of true Lance, Trey Lance, when it's all said and done, because they came into this season saying, oh, no, at the very least, at the very least, he's going to get uh, packages and he's going to get in for certain plays and we're going to make sure that he gets some snaps. And that lasted all of two weeks before that didn't happen anymore. And even when he got back healthy, they have not put him out on the field at all. I don't know if that is an indictment on the coaching staff, on Trey Lance, a little bit on both. We'll figure we'll figure things out here. But about as soft a landing spot as you could ask for, even though this Texas team has been has been froggy, um, about as good of a spot if you're going to be starting Trey Lance as you could ask for here, uh, the Texans on the road. So, Brad, my question to you, because I know where Steven is on this one, so I'll get him to close this out. But my question to you, we sit at 12. The 49ers, you know, we've seen them play bully ball before. We've seen them just go out, not really have to throw the ball at all, and just run run, 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 and run some more and still be able to do it highly effectively and put a bunch of points on the board. I know that this thing fell under the two touchdowns because Trey Lance is going to be a quarterback, but does it really matter that Trey Lance is going to be a quarterback? Um, I probably don't think so. I'll probably agree with you that they can just run the ball. They could probably run the ball 40 times and I think they'll probably cover the game because you know, I've been going on about it a lot. This is again a game where the line, the Niners will dominate both lines of scrimmage. Mm. Um, you know, until last week, Houston had been going at about three yards a clip on the, on the ground. Like they're not going to get any push up front. Um, they, they won't be able to block Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, those kind of guys. So, 
I guess I would say the concern here is that Shanahan might have told us where Trey Lance is last week, where Jimmy had a dislocated thumb the entire second half of that game. He did that in the second quarter. Like, came out first play of the second half, he just threw a pick, just sailed it over the head of his receiver. You know, it looked awful. So why is Trey Lance not going in then? How, how, how bad does Shanahan think he is? Or was Jimmy just lying to him? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, you know, last week we should have been... We should have taken more out of the fact that the Saints are calling up Drew Brees on the golf course, calling up Philip Rivers, going, please come and play for us. We should have gone, mm. they do not want to run Ian Book out there. Well, it seems a bit to me like they don't want to run Trey Lance out there. You know, yeah. Sh- Shanahan is going, oh, he's at his best month of practice. That's probably nonsense, isn't it? So, yeah, I'm not too sure what to expect from him to be to be all told. I will say everywhere else on this field, the 49s are a lot better. Maybe the look is under 44 um, because as I say, I, I can't see the I can't see Houston moving it the way they did last week, um, and I can see just run, 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 run from the 49ers. Stephen, I know that you got a better number, but you are going to back the Texans in this. I am, yeah. I truthfully, I bet the Texans when I thought it was going to be Jimmy Garoppolo anyway. I got it at plus fifteen, but with the current circumstances that we're in right now. I would only bet the Texans at this point. I mean, Brad, you laid it out nicely there in terms of the concerns and the red flags with the 49ers and Trey Lance. And I'm, I'm as a 49ers fan, I am optimistic long term about Trey Lance and his athleticism and what he could bring to this offense. But to me, it's pretty clear that he's I could be proven wrong this weekend, but I don't think he's learned it enough. I don't think he's ready. I think that's why they've stuck with Jimmy G as much as they have, despite the turnover concerns that um, he's been putting up. We're we're getting 12, 12 and a half points with a team that might have the better quarterback in this game, believe it or not. Like Davis Mills was straight garbage for most of this season, but I don't know what you guys think. He's looked pretty serviceable the past couple of weeks here. Houston, small sample size granted, but past two weeks, they are eighth in EPA per play. They are um, third in drop back EPA. So, Hey, I mean, how many? How often can you get twelve and a half points in a game where your side might have the better quarterback? So, uh, I'm I'm going to take the Texans here because I think that this 49ers offense is going to be a lot more limited with Trey Lance and its playbook than it would be with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I, you know, I think for me it maybe moved a little bit too much because I don't think that the quarterback was going to play a big role in this game anyway, but tough for me to lay the 12 these are there's some tough games this week for sure uh playing just the sides in this one so i don't know maybe maybe i'd lay the 12 if i had to play this thing but i i i'm thinking it's just a pass for me as well yeah let's just remember trey lance played one college football game last year during covid at a division one double a or fcs level and he's played one game this year that's it like you could talk about a good month of practice all you want but these guys aren't practicing like they did in, you know, the 1980s or the 1990s. These are glorified walkthroughs at this point. So um, I don't I don't put any stock into Kyle Shanahan talking about his his month of practice. Arizona Cardinals at the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are six, six and a half point favorites. This is up from five all the way to six and a half at some spots right now in favor of the Cowboys. A total of fifty one and a half or fifty two. Stephen. This is kind of an unfortunate circumstance here in this one because 
we would have, if the Cardinals had not looked as bad as they did and the Cowboys had not looked as good as they did, we probably would have gotten about a three on this one. And this yep. would have been just the ultimate buy opportunity on the Cowboys, like the greatest buy opportunity on the Cowboys there was. Instead, we didn't get that. It played out against us. They opened the line in that no man's land at five. Now it's crept up to six, six and a half in favor of the Cowboys. I think you could only play the Cowboys side here because that defense is going to shut down whatever in the hell Cliff Kingsbury is trying to do on offense with his Cowboys at this point. Um, that being said, another one of those games where the line has kind of gotten to an appropriate point. I don't really love running to one side or the other here. And if anything, maybe yet again, I'm looking at another under because at 52, I'm sitting here saying, Hey, with the way that this Cardinals offense has looked, the way this Cowboys defense has played, I think 52 might be too much, but um, maybe that makes the account before it's all said and done. But as we sit right now, uh, this game's kind of confusing to me. It is, yeah. The uh, <laughs> Matt, it, it wouldn't shock me in the least, though, if it, the, this Cowboys defense is so damn good that they're turning people over and giving their offense short fields. Like, we all liked mm-hmm. the under last week against Washington, and that defense was so dominant that it led to free points, essentially, for the Cowboys, and we went flying past the under here uh, to the over, like, by the second quarter or so. Um, so, it all that being said, I think on paper, I agree with you that the line has adjusted past what it, it probably should be if you're just looking at power ratings. But if the Cardinals couldn't get it done against the Colts with all of their COVID issues last week, and there were a lot of them, we're going to bank on them to keep it close here against the Dallas Cowboys. I, that's that's a that's that's hard for me at this point. I mean, last week I told you guys that that was my last stand with the Arizona Cardinals, and I meant it. They they failed. They couldn't put it together, and now they're playing the elite defense in the NFL. They are undermanned. Um, James Conner and Rondale Moore, I think, are both game time decisions again this week. So I'm off the Cardinals at this point, guys. I'm sorry. You, you you blew it. I, listen, yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, Brad, when we take a look at this, I mean, the Cowboys, it seems like if if what we saw last week on the offense, offensive side of the ball, they look good for them. They're peaking at the right time. There's no doubt about that. Um, is it sustainable? They're not going to score that many points. But I think the way that they ran that offense is certainly the way they should be running it a lot more, which is, you know, focusing a bit more on the pass, of course, passing early downs, things like that. So, um I think you would probably lean Cowboys here if I'm if I'm unless I'm way off. But I don't know. Are you is six, six and a half now too much? Yeah, I, I actually went to try and bet minus five and a half this morning and saw mm-hmm. six and a half across the board. So yeah. I've ended up on Cowboys team total over. Um, there was mm-hmm. a 28 and a half at Caesars, William Hill earlier. Um, I'm fine with 29 and a half. Um, so it's so A, they've sped up uh, over the, I mean, you saw that saw that Monday night against Washington. Over the last yeah. three weeks, though, they're the fastest offense in the league, about 25 seconds per snap. They go in no huddle. Um, and actually, who, who leads the NFL in no huddle rate is the Cardinals here. So we're going to get a lot of plays here. Um, but I think they're leaning into what they do well. As you say, the pass is this 11, 11 personnel on the field, um, you know, one tight end, Blake Jarwin, and then those three receivers. Now the Cardinals here, 
we've already spoken about they've, they've lost JJ Watt, so they're, they're not really getting any pressure. Um, now they're down two of their top three cornerbacks. So their second best cornerback here is graded 106th out of 116 or so cornerbacks mm. on PFF. And the third string cornerback, they're signing cornerbacks off the street. Again, this mm. is a team telling us what they think. They signed two cornerbacks to the practice squad uh, a couple of days ago this week. So... Well, they they have no one. They they've got one decent corner. There's no one going to be covering Gallup or Amari. Basically, if you want to take CD out, you can, but you're going to get cooked by the other two. Um, so yeah, I think we've got we've got matchup advantages. They're going at speed. I think they're going to score a lot of points. So it's a bit. I, I just didn't know what to do with the other side of the ball. Um, we we love the Cowboys defense. Um, and I think Murray he probably prefers someone sending a load of blitzes at him rather than sitting in cover two. So I think they could break a few plays, but. Yeah, I would rather stick with the Cowboys team too. Yeah, I think that they're going to be able to get it done here as well. It's just, uh, man, I'm with you. I, when it, Even at five, I was like, man, this five, and then I should have bet it at five, and then now I let it get away and sitting here at six. And it would be the only bet I would make. I would certainly not take the points with the Cardinals, the way that this team is is going and the way that the, the trajectory of kind of what I think Cliff Kingsbury, maybe it's just all just coming back around on him. Uh, here, but that being said, I, I do like your your angle on this one. Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks. Right now, the Seattle Seahawks are seven and a half point home favorites over the Lions. This thing has ticked up a half point as we've been on air because we figured out that um, Jared Goff's not going to make it back for the Lions this week. It is uh, it's a bummer because listen, this Lions team with Goff out there, I'm not a Goff lover. I'm not even a golf liker. Let's just, we'll put that out there. But look, they were, they were entertaining. They were fun with, with them out there. And at least it was a game that we knew you were going to get this team's best effort. And we could have kind of seen the real state of affairs of what's going on in Seattle. That's not going to be the case here, um, Brad, after all. So it looks like with him sitting, we're going to get, uh, what is it? Tim Boyle, I guess, under center there again for, for the lions. And so I just it makes this game completely unplayable for me. Yes, I, I think again the look here has to be to the under. Um, yeah. I mean, w- what we saw from the Lions last week is that they they slowed it right down. They were, they were going slow with Jared Goff in there. They mm. slowed that down even more last week, um, and that you know it's just hand the ball off behind that offensive line basically. Um, I just think you, Pete Carroll is going to be looking at that and going, oh, great, we, we can do exactly the same thing. I, I really think you're going to have two teams just run, run, pass, punt. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, we've got precipitation out there. We know Russell Wilson is, is another one of the small hands club who, who doesn't like the rain. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's a lot of running and um, there's 41 and a half out there at the minute. Yeah. Maybe a 42 if, if you move quick. And uh, I, I don't really see where, where the points are coming from. Yeah, 41 and a half the total. And and as you mentioned, on the run, run, run side of things, Dan Campbell did come out while he was at announcing that Jared Goff wasn't going to be back, Stephen. He did say that DeAndre Swift would be and that he looks fresh and ready to go is what he said. So it could be just uh, both teams. It could be a, a running back off in this. Thing. It's just going to be like it, both teams just line up and just ram it into the line as many times as humanly possible in this thing. And we're about an hour in here and the news of this hit at the beginning of the show. The line hasn't moved all that much. You guys are still seeing seven and a half, right? I mean, as yeah. opposed, yeah, as opposed to the the Vikings Packers game that obviously Kirk Cousins means a lot more than Jared Goff, but that shifted six points. So to me, at least in the early going here, and this could be 
irrelevant by the time you guys listen to this, but these things usually move pretty quickly when there's quarterback news that they're, the market's telling you there isn't a huge difference between Jared Goff and Tim Boyle. So I bet this well before the Goff news and felt pretty good about getting more than a touchdown on the Lions. And I'm not entirely sure I'm off them here with with Tim Boyle starting. I mean, they have an elite offensive line, maybe not elite, but I think they have a top 10 offensive line at this point. I think they've shown that over the past month or so. Um, If you look at EPA and success rate, they've been better than the Seahawks offense over that same span. And that is baking in a Tim Boyle game in there. So can they keep it within a touchdown? The, the Dan Campbell special from 2021. I think, I think it's fair to say that it's definitely possible. I mean, I, I think, you know, you want to talk about narrative street, Matt, which of these two teams is playing harder right now to close oh, out the season? It's look, the Lions. I would only take the points in this game. I mean, there's no way I'm laying uh, over a touchdown with with this version of the Seattle Seahawks. Like that's that's never happening for and sure. You talked you talked to, I think, Brian McFadden on your VSIN show earlier this mm-hmm. week. And and he said that. You know, especially teams like the Lions, these guys are playing for contracts next year. They're trying to be they want to be a part of Dan Campbell's team next year. So you could talk about them not being in the in the race anymore. But these guys are playing for money. These guys are playing for jobs. And Mm -hmm. few teams of this bottom tier of the NFL have been playing harder than the Detroit Lions to close out the season here. So uh, I think I even despite Tim Boyle, I think I'm. I think I'm on Detroit still here. Yeah, I wish it was golf because I wanted to play the Lions if it was going to be golf. Um, that said, like if I were playing the game, I'd only take the points. I'd, I'd still only take the points. I'm never laying points with Seattle, especially not over a touchdown. I, I don't care if it is being played up there in the Pacific Northwest. Carolina Panthers on the road at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are six and a half point home favorites over the Panthers, a total of 37 and a half to 38. We know that Sam Darnold is going to start for the Panthers. We are assuming that one of the other two guys will start for the Saints, be it Simeon or Taysom Hill um, out there. So it won't be Ian Book again this week. Steven, this might be the grossest, ugliest game of Ugh. the week, and there are some pretty ugly games, but this one might be the grossest, ugliest game of the week, like when it's all said and done. I don't know what the hell to do with this game, man. I mean, we I mentioned earlier in the pod that over the past four weeks, the only offense that's been worse in terms of EPA and success rate that the Giants has been the New Orleans Saints, yeah. and here we are, and they are six-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. So at the same time, do I, I want to trust the Panthers' offense? Like, I, I don't know, man. I mean, what are we looking at for a total here? I'm, I'm pulling it up now. Um, 37, 38, 37. So yeah, we're back down to army Navy game territory again here. I mean, the product for some of these teams and games at this point in the season is just atrocious. So we've been talking about it all show. I mean, the under seems like the most attractive situation for me. And I can't believe I'm saying that for an NFL game under 38 points. Brad, if we look at this, I mean, it's just both of these teams have been so incredibly inept on the offensive side of the ball, but both with defenses that are capable of shutting down these inept offenses and stuff. And so here we are, a dome game with a total of 38. And the only thing I could possibly recommend would be playing an under in a, in a dome game with a total of 38. But that's but that's where I sit on this one. I, I, I could not possibly 
take points with the Panthers. I can't lay anything with the Saints. It's just this is just a, a grotesque game to me. Yeah, I, I would say the only only way I would do it. You, you can't. You cannot lay six and a half or six with a team quarterback by Taysom Hill with zero weapons. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe I would play at the first half Panthers plus three and a half. Um, you know, they, they normally have a good script. They even last week, I think they scored, they scored on the first drive and then added one field goal the rest of the way. And they, they've been doing that all season. So maybe that's a way to play it. But yeah, this is a disgusting game, isn't it? It is. Minnesota Vikings on the road at the Green Bay Packers and news has broken unvaccinated Kirk Cousins is has tested positive for COVID. So he's definitely out. So it does not matter about the new, the reason I, I emphasize unvaccinated because the, the, he does not have the option in order to test out since he's unvaccinated and tested positive. He is going to be out for sure this week. Also coming through as we've been on here, one of his backups Kellen Mond is also unvaccinated. So there could be a close contact situation that happens there. So that's something we'll be monitoring as well. Sean, Sean Mannion, who is on the COVID list as we're recording this, looks like he will come off of the COVID list and looks like he will be starting for the Green Bay, I mean, for the Minnesota Vikings in this game. So what we've seen, this line comes off where it was sitting at seven and comes back up as high as 13 and a half in favor of the Packers in this one. Now, guys, we're having to digest this on the fly. We're having to kind yeah. of handicap this on the fly. So, Brad, 7 to 13 and a half is Kirk Cousins first. Is Kirk Cousins worth six and a half points? And two is two touchdowns enough i mean is is two touchdowns too much in a game that like it's going to be 5 5 degrees fahrenheit yeah, yeah. 5 man degrees out in vegas can't comprehend what that is yes. like <laughs> 5 degrees it's like i, I mean it, it's the ball's going to be hard the players are going to feel like crap i mean it's going to be horrible i don't know man like i was I was wondering, I thought this might have just like three, four points, six and a half points is a lot. Yeah, I I won't pretend to know anything about Sean Mannion. Um, yep. You know, people yeah, who have watched some college football said he's, he's another he's another Ian Book. So take that for what you will. Um, I would say a way to play this, a way I have played this is longest field goal under 45 and a half. Um, mm. like the, the ball is going to be a rock. Basically, it's going to be it's going to be tough to kick it that far. Um, I retweet something earlier this week. The average passing game in in single digit temperature games is about 160 passing yards and 0.3 touchdowns. I think 0.3 passing touchdowns. So there's not there wasn't going to be much offense anyway, in my view. Um, and now you could assume there's going to be even less. So uh, yeah, maybe long field go under for me now. Um, look, Stephen. I know again, like we said, we're kind of doing this on the fly here, trying to figure things out. But if you do look at the defensive side of the ball here, one of the things that we do know is that the Vikings, if you are going to attack them, at least the advanced metrics say that their run defense is worse than their pass defense. We're now playing in a sub, you know, a, a friggin' five degree game. And then you do have that two headed monster in Jones and Dylan there for this Packers team. And they're probably not going to be too incredibly worried about Minnesota doing much 
on the offensive side of the ball with Sean Mannion at quarterback. And so they, they're headed, they're now cruising towards the number one overall seed. Do we, at this point, do we just assume that maybe, maybe we're looking at just Aaron Rodgers unders, passing unders, passing touchdown unders, all the different stuff like that, because Hey, get out of this game, stay healthy, take that number one seed, take the bye, and and let's just go ahead and get out of here without without risking any of our players and uh let's go try and win a Super Bowl. Is it possible though that when they get to the red zone, Rodgers is still gonna want to pass it though? Because I mean, this the man's in the race here for MVP and mm-hmm. he is the favorite. So maybe he still tries to so I, I like I like the angle in terms of yardage. So let's see if, yeah. if the market and they post numbers that haven't adjusted enough for this weather situation. Maybe yardage, maybe attempts, like yeah. you know, like like things like that. Completions. completions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's see how how much they they lower that when it opens um compared to his season averages. For what it's worth, Sean Mannion's had two starts over the past few years. In 2017 with the Rams, he lost to the Niners 34-13, 20 of 34 passing for 169 yards, only five yards per attempt. Then he had a start in 2019 that was with the Minnesota Vikings and 12 of 21, 126 yards, two picks. Didn't have a passing touchdown in either of those starts. So that's what we're dealing with here. Um, I will say that, I mean, at least when Kirk Cousins was going to start, I didn't care as much about Kirk Cousins. And I cared a lot more about what I thought was a complete mismatch for this Vikings rushing offense against the Packers rush defense. The Packers rush D over the past four weeks has been bottom two in the league in rush EPA and success rate over the past month. But with Kirk Cousins not out there and do they just stack the box now in this cold weather situation, commit more guys closer to the line of scrimmage, not being afraid of Sean Mannion going to beat them. So it changes the equation completely. Um, I like the Vikings before this. I had it. I got burnt with the COVID news and and now I don't really have a strong opinion either way. It's, it's just hard to digest here with this situation. But I do agree with the weather. You're probably not going to get a ton of points by by both of these teams. Brad, one other thing um, to bring up here that is kind of a byproduct of this game. If people thought that the only way Aaron Rodgers was going to lose MVP was that they for them to lose one of their last two games. Well, this would have been the game that they would have lost. Right. I mean, like this would have been the game that they maybe could have slipped up if Kirk Cousins put together kind of his perfect performance and and and, and all of that. So. If we if we look, because they're going to close out with the Lions, right? This this Packers team. So, is it time to just to lay the money on Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP? Um, I mean, he, he's odds on, right? It was minus one thirty five yeah. last I checked earlier this week. Um, I would say PFF. Uh, they have they trained a model to predict who was going to win MVP based on EPA added schedule wins and losses, all that kind of thing. Stuff that the stuff that was predicted the MVP in the past, and they only had Rogers around 33% compared to the market, which is, you know, 60% or so. So yeah. just, just based on that, it's, it's probably not value. Um, but yeah, but I'm, again, I'm like, asking you know, the opposite question, Brad, like I'm asking the opposite question. He's got a crazy cold weather game this week where he's not going to probably put up a ton of stats. Tom Brady's still got two really easy games without weather. Can, well, I guess he's in New York this week, but I mean, 
if, if we're talking straight talent and stats, I think in efficiency, I think we all agree that Aaron Rodgers has been much better than Tom Brady this year. But we're talking about old white NFL voters here that vote for this award. And Tom Brady's seven to one right now. Yeah. And the COVID stuff. I mean, Aaron Rodgers literally weekly going on and talking about COVID on uh, on the Pat McAfee show. Does that, does that do anything? I mean, the other one is Mahomes. Um, PFF, they make him the value. They, they've got him at 19.2% to betting odds at 7.7%. Um, so, I mean, if he goes out and dices up Cincinnati, which we've already said he can do, I don't know who they've got in the last game, but mm. they're, they're on an absolute heater right now. If he finishes out with four touchdowns and th- 300 yards in each of these last two games, you know, has he got a sniff? Pretty interesting. That is for sure. And again, if we if we say that the Packers go about this just path of least resistance, you know, then then maybe it is maybe it is value on some of these other guys. The run stop win rate for this Minnesota defense is 32nd. That's dead last in the NFL. So maybe it's just run, 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 run. And if that's the case, the stats don't get there for Rodgers and things open up a little bit as well. It's going to be fascinating. Maybe I'll look a little bit harder at this MVP market as well. Monday Night Football is the Browns and the Steelers. The Browns are three and a half point road favorites over the Steelers, a total of 41, 41 and a half. Steven uh, Ben Roethlisberger came out yesterday and said that this is likely his last time to suit it up at Heinz Field. Probably should have said that two years ago, but I digress. <laughs> um, look, I get it. I understand why the Browns are favorites here. That said, I can't believe I'm saying this. I probably would only take the points with the Steelers. I cannot believe I'm saying that, but it's just a low scoring, you know, 41 already. It's already dictated in the thing here. 41 is the total. It's going to be in Pittsburgh. It's, you know, if you believe in narrative again, then there's going to be, you know, the Ben Roethlisberger narrative as well. It's going to be below free, you know, right at freezing and all that. If not below freezing, there in Pittsburgh. So low scoring, nasty, dirty, ugly games, and I can take more than a field goal. I'm probably doing that. But again, that bet's not in my account quite yet. It's been a big move from the look ahead, right? This was Steelers minus one, and now it's Browns minus three and a half. So that's the first question. Is that too much? Is that an overreaction to go through a key number here? The most key number of all of three. If you look at narratives, There's a lot going for the Steelers here. They're still in playoff contention outside shot, but they have not been eliminated. It's Ben Roethlisberger's last game. He's made that clear to not only the public, but his team at this point. So they're going to be playing hard for him. The stands are going to be wild in the division game, knowing it's Ben's last game. And they're going to want to see Ben right off into the sunset and in his last game at Heinz Field. So. All of those things should have plenty of motivation for the Steelers in this game, despite getting their clock kicked in the last few Mm -hmm. weeks here. So with that being said, and I'm sure Brad's going to hit on this, the the trenches are a complete and utter mismatch with the Cleveland offensive line against the Steelers front and the Pittsburgh offensive line that should just have a a difficult time against Miles Garrett and Jadeveon Clowney. So... It's hard for me to not think this line is an overreaction, but I also am concerned that I'm kind of trying to thread a needle in the range of outcomes with what Pittsburgh is in this game, because I don't think there's any scenario where where Pittsburgh wins this game by a lot. And I think the market has properly sniffed out that the Browns really got unlucky in that game against the 
the Packers a week ago, if not for some kicking woes and and Baker throwing four picks, they probably should have won that game against the Packers after rushing for 200 yards and for whatever reason, not continuing to run the ball. So um, the, I just can't decide if if three and a half is too much at this point, if it was too much of a move. Brad, you know, I guess the 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 better in me, even if I hate a team, I'm instantly drawn to a dog of over a field goal in a game with a 41 total, right? I mean, it's like, I hate the Steelers. I hate Ben Roethlisberger. You guys know, we were doing preseason podcasts. I hate Ben Roethlisberger. I think we all like, do. I, I, yeah, like I hate Ben Roethlisberger a ton, but any game with a 41 total and I'm getting more than a field goal uh, with the home team at that, I I get drawn to that team naturally. Tell Tell me why I'm... Tell me why I'm stupid. Uh, no, I, I bet the Steelers plus three and a half here. Um, mm. Probably one of my okay. favorite bets of the week. Um, it, so if we think back to week 12, I think it was, Steelers lost 49-10, something like that, Cincinnati. Um, mm. Next week, they were three and a half point home dogs to Baltimore, uh, and they won that game outright. And I think it's, you know, it was an overreaction again. Like we've seen here, that this line has moved through the three. And we kind of we kind of know we we know what the Steelers are. The mm. TJ Watt was banged up last week. I'm not downgrading them too much for getting sliced and diced by Patrick Mahomes. We've we've just gone on about how how the Chiefs are back. You know, it, it, it happens. You you get beat up on the road against the best quarterback in the league sometimes. And TJ Watt was he was at half master out that game. I'm hoping yeah. with another week um, another week off, a load more injections, he'll he'll be a little more back to himself this week. And I don't think you can overstate the fact that it's Roethlisberger's last game. I think the energy and the atmosphere in that place is going to be electric. And I, so I'm willing to overlook the fact that they probably can't mock block Miles Garrett. And maybe, maybe he's banged up as well. I mean, he was banged up last week. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. Um, but I just think the number has moved too far. And I think you are going to get every player on the Steelers' best effort. Um, and so three and a half at home, you know, the, the classic Mike Tomlin home dog spot. Uh, I'm willing to take it. Not like he's lighting it up on a on a from a statistical standpoint from a catches and yardage, but he also uh, Rothberg is going to get Pat Fryermuth back um, this week as well, and he's just been his huge red zone target, right? I mean, he just looks for him in the end zone, and and the guy's got seven touchdowns since week three, um, and and he was out last week as well, so he gets back. And so I think it gives him an extra little deal here. And yeah, I think the three and a half, just too much in a game that is, uh, there's such a low total. And again, with all the different things that are, that are kind of playing into this guys, as we, uh, as always, everything we do absolutely free. So if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead, hit the subscribe button. Do appreciate you doing that on the uh, podcast side of things. If you subscribe, rate and review, let everybody know that, uh, this is the podcast we listen to each and every week, whenever it comes to NFL breakdowns, do appreciate that. As well, um, we're going to be here through the Super Bowl. So this isn't, you know, we aren't winding down quite yet. I cannot believe that is already week 17 of the NFL. That is for damn sure. And we are going to be monitoring um, all of this craziness. Listen, guys, guys are going on the COVID list as we're doing this podcast. Like there's guys going on, guys coming off all of this. So join the Discord channel. If you haven't go to the lines up in the upper right hand corner, there's the little Discord uh, logo get in there. We'll try to be breaking down this stuff in the discord channel in real time as much as we can. So uh, be sure and get into that community as well with all this for Brad for Steven. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. 
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. 